Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The economy is uh, down heavily. Some say 30%, some say more. Uh, a lot of has been destroyed of our heavy industry. Mariupol was our biggest, uh, you know, uh, steel-making um, uh, plant, and uh, it's it's gone now. Many things are gone now. Alexander Sherba, the former Ukrainian ambassador to Austria, was an ambassador at large, as well in 2014 during the Russian invasion then when they annexed the Crimean Peninsula, as they have annexed through phony referenda for regions of Ukraine. The biggest problem, well, a significant problem Putin faces is the Ukrainians aren't backing off, and the Ukrainian military is holding its own against uh, the Russians in those four provinces and is pushing the Russians back to the uh, their own border in other parts of Russia. And we heard that a uh, Ukrainian commander had said, if they use battlefield nukes, we may not stop when we get to the Russian border. So it's, it's a really dynamic shifting that's taking place. Putin hit 70 years of age on Friday. And there are questions about his threatening uh, nuclear weapons. And one of the things that I did ask the ambassador, and that was what that clip was about, how's the Ukrainian economy doing? Because with everything else that's going on, they still have a country to run. And he did say there was support from Western countries from the West that was helping them, but they were running to, into really significant issues with their economy. Dr. Anders Asland is one of the world's premier economists. He was, in fact, an advisor to both Ukraine and Russia at different times, a senior economic advisor to both countries. Uh, Dr. Asland is not is not uh, kindly disposed toward uh, Vladimir Putin. He's been a guest on this program before, not Putin, Dr. Asland, and we're glad to have him back. Anders, thank you so much. And I want to mention to everyone, your book is Russia's Crony Capitalism, The Path from Market Economy to Kleptocracy. Russia's Crony Capitalism, The Path from Market Economy to Kleptocracy by Dr. Anders Asland. Anders, thank you for coming on. How are you? Thank you, Roy. I'm perfectly fine. I'm back in Washington after six weeks in Washington. I was in Kiev last uh, 9th to 10th of uh, September. So I was uh, on the 10th of September at a big conference where uh, all the top Ukrainians spoke uh, when uh, uh, Ukraine had just uh, taken uh, back Kharkiv uh, uh, Oblast. Uh, uh, the atmosphere was euphoric. They are doing so much better than anybody expected. Yes, they have the Western weaponry, but at the beginning of this conflict on the 24th of February, there was a lot of uh, expert opinion that the Russians would be in Kiev within 72 hours. They got to within a few miles of the uh, Ukrainian capital, and then they started to be really pushed back. So how how do you assess how Kiev is doing, uh, and what's their what's their economic reality? Yeah, if we take the military part uh, first, uh, it really looks now as if Ukraine is close to real breakthrough. Uh, but they need to get this breakthrough in October. They are advancing both in the south towards Kherson and uh, in the east. They're taking back parts of uh, the Lugansk region. And of course, they blew up uh, uh, the Kerch uh, bridge, the only bridge between Russia proper and Crimea yesterday. So the Ukrainians are doing very well. The question is, 
if they move fast enough, because uh, after uh, September, October, as the Ukrainian government said before, these will be the hot months. And now we are seeing that we are really advancing. But then we will get four months of cold, windy, snowy uh, weather. And after that, two months, March and April of mud. So Ukraine really needs to make a big push and take care of this month. And if they don't, and if the winter turns out to be a very cold one, and the concerns become fact that Europe is going to suffer, with a lack of Russian gas, lack of gas, and not be able to heat their homes and businesses as they normally would expect to, and uh, and start to experience social unrest, which is a which is a worry, then Ukraine has a legitimate concern about how uh, committed some of the Western countries may remain to sanctions on Russia. Is that true? I don't think that sanctions will uh, be given up, uh, but. Uh, uh, there are other problems. Uh, what I'm, as an economist, m- mainly concerned about, it's the financing of the Ukrainian government. The Ukrainian government, according to the IMF, needs $5 billion of cash each month. Last month, it got only $2.5 billion. $1.5 billion is steadily paid up in cash, uh, in uh, grants, by the U.S. government, and then uh, the rest comes from various places. But uh, when Ukraine has a shortfall of $2.5 billion uh, in budget financing in the course of one month, it means more inflation. Inflation was 24% in August. Probably it's up to 30% now because the government has no choice but to go for monetary financing. So uh, what we really should focus on now is give Ukraine the cash they need so that they are not suffering from massive inflation while they are winning on the battlefield. If they don't get the money, and if the inflation continues to rise at the rate it has been, what's the impact on, on the country? What's the impact on the survivability of Ukraine? Well, it will survive. But what we have seen in one country after the other, uh, after communism, it is when you get hyperinflation, the trust in the government uh, disappears and it's very difficult to reestablish it. So what the West really should focus on now, it is to provide more money. And this is primarily something that the European Union should do. Uh, the U.S. has uh, done its, its part, both when it comes to arms and uh, budget financing, while the European Union, for uh, bizarre bureaucratic reasons, has uh, got stuck uh, in itself. It's primarily the German Minister of Finance, Christian Wiener. I would at the same time uh, emphasize that um, your minister in various positions, uh, Christa uh, Freeland, has played a heroic role in supporting uh, Ukraine. And in particular, I'm uh, impressed that Canada has already adopted a law on the confiscation of uh, uh, Russian uh, sanctioned assets in Canada. But I would hope also that it's uh, being implemented, which, as far as I know, has not happened as yet. This money, uh, for example, $16 billion of uh, 
central bank currency reserves are being held with the central bank in uh, in uh, Canada. It should be confiscated and given to support to, to Ukraine. So I'm looking at the cover of your book, Russia's Crony Capitalism, and uh, and I see it's a red cover, so red and black, and Russia's Crony Capitalism, large letters superimposed over what is a face, and the face is undeniably that, unless I'm my eyes are going, that of Putin. How did this man go from being a lowly KGB officer who in East Germany, when the wall was falling and the Russian embassy was under threat, did stand out with a outside with a handgun, threatening people who might want to storm the embassy. But how did he go from being that lowly KGB officer to being who he is today, the, 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 the sole ruler of this country with nuclear weapons? Good question. I think that the point is that he was an extremely good... Uh, uh, influence agent so that he can charm uh, very many people. Uh, we have examples like uh, George W. Bush, uh, uh, of course, uh, Boris Yeltsin, uh, Jacques Chirac, uh, Silvio Berlusconi, Gerhard Schröder. He charmed all of these Western leaders. They thought that he was a Democrat. They thought he wanted to do good for his country. So he really very successfully uh, uh, deceived them. What he is not good at is virtually anything else. He doesn't know how to do economic policy. He just wants to repress the people, which is not a very good uh, policy in the long run. So I would be surprised if he survives uh, this uh, terrible policy that he has now started against Ukraine. Uh, my guess is that uh, his attack on uh, Ukraine, which was completely mad in every regard, that it will bring him down. But how he would be brought down, we can't know. If we knew, uh, it, he would stop it. Yeah, he sure didn't expect what's happening now. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's fairly straightforward. When, when Putin threatens nuclear weapons, whether he's threatening tactical nukes on, nukes on the battlefield or implying that I could use everything that I have at my disposal, and Joe Biden uh, responds at a private meeting that this brings us closer to Armageddon since 1962 when the October missile crisis, uh, the Cuban missile crisis in October, interesting month. <laughs> Here we are in October, 50 years later. How serious should we, seriously should we be taking the, the Putin reference to uh, nuclear weapons? My basic view is that we should not take it seriously, but we should react uh, just as uh, President Biden did, as if we take it seriously. Uh, because I think that uh, uh, President Putin is still a rational person. Uh, my favorite uh, example here is that uh, two weeks before he attacked Ukraine, he took one of his five super yachts from Hamburg to Kaliningrad. So clearly, this very hedonistic man wants to uh, enjoy his wealth, even uh, after having lost uh, lost the war in uh, Ukraine. And also think of it, he has five uh, super yachts 
the biggest one cost $700 million, oh. according to the U.S. Uh, uh, Treasury. They don't write that he owns them. They say that they are associated with him. That m- means... Uh, that they are owned by lots of uh, shell companies, uh, uh, but they can trace it uh, uh, to Putin. And another thing, uh, Adolf Hitler uh, had lots of chemical arms uh, when he committed suicide, because, uh, but he never used them on the battlefield because he uh, didn't see a, a, the advantage of using it. So I think that Putin sees it very useful to threaten with nuclear arms, but uh, he is not prepared to use it. An additional reason, if Putin would use it uh, in Ukraine, most of the time, uh, 90% of the time, the wind blows from the west to the east. So if he uses it in uh, Ukraine, probably most of the nuclear cloud would go to Russia and uh, hurt Russia. And uh, what I understand that the U.S. uh, military have told, uh, I'm listening to the retired generals, they say, if you use uh, a tactical nuke in Ukraine, we will bomb you like hell. Take off the Black Sea fleet, which would be relative easy for the U.S. Air Force and uh, also the whole Russian Air Force, and uh, uh, which is also said is that, uh, as President Biden effectively said, if you start a third world war, we will uh, uh, respond accordingly. And uh, this means it won't happen, uh, is my view. Okay. Now, there are, there's talk, and you've just been uh, in, in Ukraine, as you mentioned to us, and you saw what's going on there. And they're, as you said, euphoric about their, the progress they're making on the battlefield, and rightly so. But there are stories that there's pushback inside, inside Russia against Putin, and there's been talk about generals being sacked or even generals being opposed to Putin and starting to become a little more adventuresome about speaking their minds. Is that going on? Yeah, sure. We know that eight top generals have been sacked. Uh, so Putin has sacked one general after the other who has been in charge uh, of, of the Ukrainian operations. And we know that 12 Russian generals have been shot dead by uh, uh, the, the Ukraine, uh, sorry, Russian generals have been shot dead by uh, the, the Ukrainians. So this looks like a complete uh, uh, chaos. Then there have been a lot of uh, uh, unofficial statements that uh, uh, generals, both in the FSB and in the military, have been been arrested, but nothing of that has really been uh, uh, confirmed. And we're also seeing that there are lots of public statements by hardliners against um, the, uh, the top military, including the Minister of Defense and the Chief of General uh, Staff, uh, Gerasimov. Uh, while nobody as yet has dared to criticize uh, President Putin by name. But this looks like a complete chaos. Uh, And, uh, uh, of course, these things can calm down, uh, as they often do, but this looks really on the edge. Yeah, I'm still stuck on $700 million for his 
most luxurious superyacht, and he's got four more. My God. Um, we have about 45 seconds, Andrews. How do, how do you see this ending, or how do you see the next six months, taking the whole situation into, into consideration? Two alternative uh, developments. Either that uh, uh, Ukraine takes Kherson and breaks the land bridge to Crimea, and then I think that the whole Russian attack falters, or alternatively, everything goes into fro- uh, uh, freezing down before the winter. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.